is Brock Osweiler, Super Bowl champion and the only Sun Devil to ever throw for 4,000 yards in a single season. I'm Randy Policar, former sports information director for Sun Devil Football, and this is the Brock and Roll Show. Back for another edition of the Brock and Roll Show. I am Randy Policar. He is Brock Osweiler, and uh, we have another loaded show today, Brock. We're going to talk about the dumpster fire that is the Pac-12 Conference we're going to talk about the CFP rankings. It's basically the top six and everybody else. We're going to go through some hot reads like we always do. And uh, we got a great Brock breaks it down this week, preparing for an opponent with so many last second schedule games and things like that. Brock's going to tell us exactly what goes into preparing for an opponent and how, how hard it's going to be to condense from maybe five days or six days of preparation to 48 hours. And we have an amazing guest, uh, a former teammate of yours, Two different places, not just at Arizona State, but also on the Denver Broncos, Super Bowl 50 champion, Mr. Positivity, Omar Bolden. Omar, welcome to the show. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for having me on, man. It's a pleasure being on here with both of you guys. Yeah, this, this is cool. Uh, you know, for, for the people that, that don't know, uh, Omar and I, you know, we played together at ASU. We played together at the Broncos. So for seven years, Omar and I sat within two rows of each other on every flight for every road game. So Omar and I, we, we had, <laughs> yeah, and we had, we had some times on those flights. So absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's just, it's great to see your face, man. Great to have you on the show and uh, looking forward to some fun. Yeah, thank you, bro. Likewise, man. Omar, it's been a rough year, but I want to know, what is the most positive man on earth and the most positive man I've ever met been up to in 2020? Ooh, 2020, uh, it's been a lot of pivoting, a lot of pivoting, you know, trying to uh, establish online presence as far as like having, um, uh, running a business, you know? So um, for those that don't know, you know, I'm heavily into um, fitness. Um, I train people in person, um, limitedly, obviously due to the current climate. But online is really where I'm trying to really make a real presence at, a real splash at, um, just because, uh, one, it's, you know, it's the easiest way for me to motivate and inspire the masses. Um, on top of that, it's the easiest way for me to scale my business. So, like, that has been the sole focus. And then on top of that, creating content. You know, I got two YouTube channels, uh, one with my girl, um, which is something that, like, we really going hard on right now. And then also I have a personal one as well. So, and then... Just working on uh, branded content with brands. I've been blessed to just work with different brands in the uh, influencer space since I've uh, retired. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've been up to. I've been blessed and fortunate enough to be extremely busy, which I'm so thankful and I, I couldn't be more grateful for. So, Omar, when you talk about trying to create an online presence for fitness, what do you mean by that? Are you like designing workouts that people can subscribe to? Uh, what, t tell us more about that. What, what, what does that mean? Yeah, bro. Offer personal programs for like each individual, depending on goals, uh, depending on nutrition, like whatever you want, you know, customize it just for you. Um, and I, I created with this year at home, in the gym, on the road, like the company I have is X2. Um, it's designed to be, it's, the slogan is minimize the time and maximize the effort with minimum to no equipment at all, right? So it's perfect for anyone who needs to work out at home, which is what a lot of us have forced to do right now during the pandemic. So, and we kind of, my partner and I started this business a year and a half ago. So it just, it was just 
perfect timing um, and alignment with what happened with the pandemic, you know, for us. So, and we already had some online, we already had an online presence um, and an online program on a platform called Playbook. Um, but during the pandemic, we took the leap of faith and, you know, um, invested in ourselves and created our own app. Um, and so, yeah, that's where the people could find it at x2workouts.com, you know, uh, $40 a month, you know, to get you a custom program, uh, nutrition plan, custom vi videos, demos to everything, access to a Facebook group, 24 seven customer support. Uh, shit, we got a I got a zoom call with the clients at two o'clock today, you know, with all the, all the, all the clients in the, in the group. So yeah, that, well, that's what we do. I, I love that. And I think you might've just got one more client because, uh, you know, now I'm done playing too. I'm trying to refrain from the dad bod and I'm all about what yeah. you just said, the, the quick productive workout, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you don't want to be, and no one wants to be in the gym all day, you know, 45 yeah. minutes to an hour is all you need, fam. Well, and that's it, right? You and I lived there, you know, we, when, when we were playing shit, you'd be in the, in the gym sometimes three hours a day. You know, yeah, and no, so we'll need I'm at the point I'm burnt out. I, I want to put in 30 to 45 minutes of hard, good work and be done with the gym. So the fact that you're providing that, I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Meryl. So so school me up here. Uh, I, I see you have a profile on IMBD. Um, yep. is, is Omar an actor now? T tell us what that's all about. Well, I've, I've, I've acted in a few um, in a few projects or a couple of projects, um, none have been released yet. Um, and it's, it was released on some like glorified actor, I mean, glorified um, ex glorified extra role, you know, like it wasn't nothing serious, you know, a couple lines here and there, but yeah, I do have the ultimate goal, man, is to get on that screen, fam. Like that's why I create so much content for myself, you know, it's the one, because I enjoy it too. I, like one, I enjoy being in front of the screen, right? That's, it's the one thing that, uh, you know, you remember that, you know, that feeling when we get on the plane after a game and like, you just can't go to sleep. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, bro, like I'm tired, but like, I'm just, like, I'm just so, my, my adrenaline is still pumping from the game that I'm, I can't, you know, when I, when I get finished, like doing anything in front of the screen, like when, when the camera's on me, that's how I feel, you know? So like, I, I, I want to operate and maneuver in that space in some form of capacity, whether I be acting, corresponding, you know, um, I'm not really sure, but. You know, um, I have been I've, I've been in acting classes. Uh, quarantine shut me down, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, I was going to a dope acting class at the top of the year, um, which was fire. So, um, yeah, yeah, I want to act. I want to act. I, so, yeah, I, I have I, a profile for sure. I love that you talk about that, uh, that feeling, right, that you get after the stadium gig, after the game. You know, you get that now through through acting and and that's what, you know, is really pulling you into it and, and why you want to go and, and get to the mountaintop of, of that profession. But it's so true, you know, for our listeners who, you know, haven't played, you know, at that division one level or, or in the national football league, that's real. It doesn't matter how bad your body hurts uh, or how tired you are, how, how long you played, how many plays you got. If you get a win and you get a win with your brothers and, and the people you care about, man, you don't go to sleep sometimes for a day because that nah. natural energy in your body, it's just, it's running around and it's, it's a feeling like none other. Um, it's one that I miss. And, and to hear that you right. found a space where you can go get that same feeling that, that fires me up, man. That's really cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I get it just from, like, you know, doing my own stuff in, in the house, you know? Like, I'm excited every time we get to, you know, create something for ourselves on the screen, so. So so on that note, and, and you know, maybe this was something you started in high school, but I'm pretty sure you started it when we were at ASU together. Um, but you you started this and, and you know, school me up if I'm wrong, but it, it really felt like it was a movement and, and it was all about positive living and, and positive oh, yeah. living has kind of been your hashtag. You know, you had the wristbands made, the whole squad was wearing them. Um, it's something that's still on your Twitter page. So it's obviously something that you're still projecting daily. Um, you know, it's something that even my wife, who knows just, just a little bit about you, you know, maybe hanging out in the parking lot after a Broncos game, you know, a couple small conversations. It's something that she still brings up when we're having maybe a difficult moment during the coronavirus, you know, life mm. stresses, you name it. You know, we still both reflect back to you and we're like, gosh, like that Omar dude, like he's just so positive the way he projects himself. Talk to us about positive living and why that's so important to you. And, and, and how you live that daily. I definitely started it in college. Um, it, it came about after I was injured, after I tore my ACL, like weeks, months, maybe some time after that, for sure. Um, and then also, I know you mentioned about my Twitter. I don't think I've had a post. Um, I mean, unless it was like a, a branded post and I couldn't do it because that was, you know, in, in the contract on my Instagram without the hashtag positive living for probably 10 years. Wow. You know, so um, it is, it is me, you know, it is, um, it's who I am. Uh, it's my mindset. It's my outlook, my perspective on life. Um, don't get me wrong. You know, I, there are situations that I handle poorly every day. Right. So there's not, I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm perfect. You know what I'm saying? There, there's a situation every day that I'm like, damn, that one got away from me. I should have, <laughs> I should have handled that one a little bit better. Right. But for the most part, right. My um, overall perspective on life is just positive living, man. Like I always want to see it in, in a positive way. I always want to take the good thing from it. Right. Cause there's every, there's always something good you could take from each situation um, in each circumstance that you're in. So um, and then also it just, it's helped me through some of my most troublesome moments, you know, my lowest moments in life, you know, um, I was able to just tap back into that mantra and, um, it was able to pull me through, you know, and that wasn't easy. I'm not saying this shit is easy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that shit not easy at all, but it just, it kind of comes from my, my, my parents, my upbringing, you know, and no matter what, you know, it's, we'll, everything will be okay. Yeah, you just keep a positive outlook, keep a positive mindset, just keep pushing, you know, and, and we'll get through. So, yeah, that's been my thing. It, it's going to be my thing forever, you know. Like, it's still, it's in my, my Instagram, you know, bio as well, you know. So, I got it tatted on my wrist, you know. So, I don't I don't wear the wristband no more because it's, it's it's inked in my skin, you know. So, that's, that's you know. So, me. so uh, elaborate a little bit on that. So, when you talk about, you know, you you created this mantra – after your knee injury in college, for those listeners who don't know, you were you were coming off an All American season. Uh, you could have left early for the draft. You decided to come back to school because you believed in what we had as a team, and you wanted to go win a Pac-12 championship. You get hurt in spring ball. You tear your ACL. You end up missing that entire season. 
you know, you probably fall a couple rounds in the draft uh, because of that. And so, so explain to me how, I love that you created a mantra to get you through a very difficult time where people, a lot of people would just close the doors, lock the doors, turn off the lights and, and let's just call it, they would go into basically a state of depression. So how did you really use this mantra? Is it just constantly reminding yourself, Hey, look at the positive stuff in life. Look at it. Look at it. Is it just seeing the little reminder on your wrist? Like how, how would you tell someone else to use it in their life? I, I guess that's two different questions, you know, for, to answer one way is for me, it was motivation too. You know, it, it was like, you know, I had no, it was, I had a choice. It was either, you know, keep this positive mindset and keep pushing um, or be negative and, 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 you know, moan and shit, whatever. But either way, the draft is in nine months. So what, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that for me, it was a little bit different. Um, for someone else though, you know, um, what do you have to lose? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, what, 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 what do you, what do you have to lose by, by thinking, by thinking like that, you know? Well, that's it, right? It's, it's, you, either, have, to, you have everything to gain. You have everything to gain by, by changing your, your perspective to a positive one. Absolutely. Everything. You have nothing, nothing to lose. So like, why not give it a try? Why not? But you, I think, I think you have, you know, nothing to win. If you have a negative. Nothing. Not, nothing. You don't win anything. You don't win anything with business, your personal relationships, your friendships, nothing else, you know? Yeah. No, I, I hear you. You're, you're spot on. Hey, life, you either look at it glass half full, no matter how bad the situation is or glass half empty, but only yeah. one of them does, does any benefit to you. And that's obviously the glass right. half full. I remember there was times been in, in just terrible football games, down 24 points in the fourth quarter i hop into the huddle you know i try putting a smile on my face trying to cheer up my you know my teammates and they kind of look at me like i have four heads and they're like bro we're <laughs> losing by 20 but the way i look at it, it's like well shit if i step into that huddle and i'm negative and i'm down what does that do for us so hey i'm, nah, I'm gonna try right. to go i'm gonna go try to rally a couple touchdowns and and we'll deal with the negative side tomorrow watching film um, but Hey, right now I'm going to try to be positive, optimistic, and just make the most of this situation. Right. No, that's, that's real. Omar, I met you 13 years ago when you were a freshman coming in. Wow. And I know it's, it's been a long time and wow. you had that, that megawatt smile. And I just love the fact that 13 years later, that smile is still there. And oh, yeah, man. Thank you. You practice what you preach and it's not just a, a mantra to you. It is really is how you live your life. And I just think it's such a great story that, you know, we, we were talking before we started about how your NFL career ended because of an injury with your knee. And instead of sulking about it, what did you do? You, you, you've rehabbed and now you've built this business and you've built this career and you've built your, your life. And you're not defined by being a football player, being a former NFL player. You're not defined by that because you're defined by being the best Omar Bolden you can be. And I, I just think it's such a great message to get out. And I want you to be able to share it with as many people as possible because it had an effect on me when you were a college student and I was a, a staff member and it's still happening today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, damn. <laughs> damn. That's crazy. Yeah. 13 years. Um, wow. Um, I guess, you know, the positive mindset has obviously helped me. And um, I've always known, I've always known that, you know, football wasn't my like thing for life. You know, I always knew it was, was going to be a short period in time, which is, you know, 
I guess kind of easy. It was kind of easy for me to kind of let it go. You know, once I, I had the feeling um, that, you know, in, in my body, I felt that, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't push it anymore. You know, I, I pushed my body to the max. You know, I've, I've exhausted everything inside of me. Um, and I realized that, you know, I just I couldn't give it anymore. You know, so because I also knew that, you know, football didn't define me and I had a bigger purpose and a bigger calling in life. It, it was easy. It was easy for me to walk away from it. You know, so, um, you know, that's why I'm I'm just doing what I love now, you know, I'm following every passion in, in life, you know, and that, that's what I've, I've, I've always done from a, from a youngster and from my adolescent age. And I, I want to continue doing as an adult, you know, whatever I'm passionate about, I want to chase, you know, and I understand there's an expiration date on everything for everything that all of us do, you know, eventually something, you know, we have to put it down and move on to the next thing. So um, yeah, I think my positive mindset is kind of just fueling me through, through all of that, you know, Always remember that Abel Longoria's acting career started as an extra on Beverly Hills 90210. So extra work can lead to much bigger things. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. And, you know, I, I live in the space and I'm in a town where, you know, anything can happen in one day, you know. So um, that's the beautiful thing of, of living here in L.A. and wanting to work in the entertainment industry, you know. So um, I'm, 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 and on top of that, you know, like the social media space is, you know, is has allowed me a platform to flourish too, you know? So, um, you know, I have no doubt in my mind that, you know, I'm gonna get that goal, attain that goal. So I, I want to go and rewind a little bit and, and take our listeners back to, you know, the days when you were on ASU's campus and, and Palm walk and, and, um, you know, we all had big aspirations to, to win championships and whatnot. So I want to know, it's kind of twofold. I want to know your your most you know vivid best. It could possibly be even like funniest, but just your best memory of of your time being a Sun Devil. And then the second part is same thing for when you were Denver Bronco. You know, and obviously we had a lot of really cool moments up there in Denver, and we experienced a lot of really cool shit. But I want to know uh, your your best memory from your ASU days and your best memory from your NFL and and Broncos days. Oh, oh man, so many memories, so many great ones. Goodness gracious. All right, let me help you out. Let me help you out. Jake, Jake, Jake Plummer. Jake Plummer's uh funniest best memory was when his team flew up to Washington State up to Moscow, Idaho for the first time. And one of the players asked if they were gonna see, I think it was like the Empire State Building or something while they were nah, up there. Fam. You know, Bo, Bo Moose's favorite memory was when a Darius Simmons stopped me in the middle of the play from snapping a ball in practice and said, Wait, hold up, what the count in? So <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at a Darius, I'm like, yo, like we got one snap count. What do you mean what the count is? So so that, oh, that, that's a little sweet. bit about what we've had in the past. Oh man, damn, damn! I wish I was, I wish I was prepped on this question. All right, well, uh, you, damn. while you think about it, I'm going to share a couple of my favorite Omar stories. Okay, okay. So the first one is we're playing at Stanford your freshman year, and all and that's one of my favorites. All we heard about was this Omar Bolden kid, you know, up in the media office. This Omar Bolden kid, he's the real deal. And as somebody who'd been with ASU for, you know, I started there in 98 as a student. We'd always heard we're going to get this big-time recruit, and it never panned out. And what does Omar do in, his, in that game at Stanford? Takes a pick six back. 
with that big smile on his face. He's running into the end zone and the devils wipe out the Cardinal. And I remember thinking this kid's legit and proved out you were legit. And then we're at practice. That was one, one that's day. one of my favorites too. We're at practice one day, and I think it's before practice, and we're sitting on the bleachers, and you're hanging out with me and my interns there and a couple other players. And I remember you asked me, go, so how old are you, Randy? What are you, like 40? I'm like, bro, I'm 28. (laughs) And I did not live that down. And look, I got gray hair. I'm not going to lie. And I had gray hair back then. But that story spread like wildfire. Like, oh, I heard you're 40. I heard, oh, I I cannot live that down. And I still remember that. And then Damn. my third favorite Omar story is I don't even know if you remember this. Do you remember the press conference to announce you were coming back for your senior year? Yep. yep, I remember that. So, Brock, you might not know. This was right after LeBron James had his decision oh, on yeah. ESPN. Oh, yeah. And he said, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. So I had talked to Omar before because we had the press conference and nobody knew what he was going to do. The media didn't know. So I asked Omar, I'm like, so are you staying or are you going? He goes, I'm going to stay. I want to see this thing through. I said, okay, I got an idea. I want you to put your ASU jersey on and I want you to button your shirt up. And when you walk into the press conference, I want you to be somber and sad. And I want you to make it look like you're leaving. And then <laughs> when it's time for the decision, I want you to go, I've made the decision that I'm going to take my talents to. And then I want you to unbutton the shirt like Superman and say right here in Tempe. And Brock, I, I, I kid you not, this kid's going to be in a star one day on the silver screen because he did it perfectly just like i had thought it up in my mind and <laughs> he followed it to a t and the media had no idea i had a reporter come up to me and go i really thought he was leaving that was great that was awesome and that was all omar so uh, hopefully i jogged your memory a little bit but i had to share some of my favorite omar stories because you were so much fun to be around and even when you were you know making me much older than i was at the time you still put a smile on my face Oh, so man. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna piggyback real quick on on you, Randy. So Omar has a couple more minutes to think. Two quick Omar stories. I have hundreds from our ASU days. I don't know if anybody needs to hear any of those stories. So I'm gonna go straight <laughs> to the National Football League. And I remember getting drafted by the Denver Broncos. Celebrate that night with my family. Um, you know, obviously your cloud nine lifelong dream came true. The next morning, I get on the flight to go up to Denver for the press conference, and I'm watching the draft on the little TV that they have on some of those seatbacks on on, uh, the airplane. And the Broncos literally pick Omar uh, while I'm on the flight up to Denver. And I remember just being so, so excited about that deal. That was so cool. Um, so stoked to have you back as a teammate. And then sure enough, like I said, we ended up sitting next to each other again on the flights for, for four more years. And then the last story for us to, to have our NFL careers kick off like that coming from ASU and then the way they ended, you know, I remember being on the flight home from San Francisco after winning Super Bowl 50, we all had our, our stogies and our bottles of champagne and we're on the flight and you and I are you know, passing around the Lombardi and we, we took our photo with the, with the, for, with the forks up. Um, and for us to enter that way and exit that way, two things I'll never forget. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, yeah, you guys definitely helped uh, me bring up some great memories. And uh, like Randy said, one of my favorite ones is, is definitely that interception uh, that pick six against Stanford, my true freshman year. Because uh, it was the first game that I was, I think I started. It was the first game I started. You know, I think it was like week four. And prior to that, 
I almost was, I probably to that I have went to Coach E and was like, yo, man, just let me redshirt, you know, because four, four games in, I hadn't played, you know, and I was like, damn, man, like, I, you know, he was like, now, nah, listen, we're going to start you this week, you know, so he pulled me in and then, you know, I made that play. So that's definitely one of my, my one, one of my most memorable moments um, at Arizona State. On top of that, um, every time I played at the Coliseum, I had an interception, you know, and that those those interceptions like meant a lot to me because, uh, you know, I I grew up in Southern California. I had the opportunity to go to SC. Didn't really like how my recruiting process went. And, um, you know, um, I felt like I wanted to burn those guys every time I played them, you know what I'm saying? So like the fact that I was able to walk away with the, you know, interception in the Coliseum in front of my family every time, those were some of my most memorable moments at Arizona State. Um, and then uh, in the league, so many moments, man. One, it's obviously coming in with you and G-Rob. I was thinking about that shit the other day. Like, yeah. damn, fam. Like, I went to the I went to the league with three of my partners from the from college, bro. We were all team. That that was fire. So that, and then obviously becoming a teammate of Peyton, and then um, of Champ. You know, like, and then. Hey, hey! Man. Do you remember? Do you do you remember your kickoff return um, at Indianapolis? Punt return. Punt return. My fault. Punt return. Remember that one, bro? It was my first punt return in a in a real in an NFL regular season game. Oh, I didn't realize that. I I had returned one in like a preseason game, like year two. Maybe so you took you took your first you took your first punt return to the house, to the house, to the I house. I love it. Remind me, was that Sunday night football? It might have been Sunday night. It I was a night it, game for sure. It wasn't Monday night. It was Sunday night. I think it was Sunday night football. I I, I remember was, exactly where I was was on the sideline when that happened. That was it, that was it, awesome. It, it it was Sunday night. It was Sunday night. Yeah, that was um. Now that you say that, that might be my most memorable moment in, in the <laughs> NFL. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, 86 yards or 84, whatever, how many yards it was right before halftime. We were down 17-0 at halftime. I mean, we yeah. obviously, we still lost the game, but still, like, you know, that gave us a little boost of energy, you know, and I was proud, I'm proud to claim that. So, All right, so so along the lines of, you know, best memories, greatest stories, uh, you and I, I think we would both admit we were super fortunate to be able to be coached by the legendary – and now Hall of Fame coach, Dennis Erickson. Um, yeah. I have countless, countless stories with him. I still see him a lot of times up in the summer in the Northwest. Um, he's still throwing back those Bud Lights better than ever. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I want to I know, I wanna know your, your, your favorite uh, and most memorable Coach E story. I love Coach E because he, he always kept it 100, man. Like. He always he like he I mean he never lied to me you know he's never lied to me like whatever what whatever the situation was like he was honest up front like he was a man about everything like I respect Coach E so much for just like the kind of man he is you know what I'm saying because all coaches aren't like that uh, I guess some of my most memorable moments might have been um one of my most memorable moments might have been going I think eight and zero beating Cal at home true freshman year. You know the 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 crowd rushed the the field, tore down the you know the, the goalpost, and I just remember like I just remember Coach E just with his hands up, like just like so excited, just like you know. Um, 
So for me, I think that was huge, man, because I was a true freshman. You know, I didn't anticipate us being good like that. And we were on a roll. Man. Like, you know, the student section was crazy. Shit, we were selling out. Deshaun Jackson was the man of the hour coming in there, you know, and yeah. I, I vividly remember Coach E being so excited. I just remember him putting his two hands up. You know, I think we were 7-0 or 8-0. I don't know, if Randy, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it was one of those two, you know, at home, uh, 2007. So. I remember that Cal game. I think they were ranked 22nd. We were ranked ahead of them. And I remember yeah. the, crowd, the crowd rushes the field, and one of, one of my jobs was quarterbacks. I had to make sure the quarterback was safe, his helmet didn't get stolen, and they could get to postgame. And I remember Mike Pollock was right by me. And Mike Pollock looks at me and goes, we're ranked higher. Why are they rushing the field? I'm like, Mike, just enjoy it because it hasn't happened around here this often. Yeah, I remember, I remember that excitement. You know, I remember that being a big thing for us. It's crazy to think, Omar, that you were a member of the last ASU football team to win a Pac-12 championship or Pac-10 championship then. Yeah, yeah, not even Pac-10 anymore. Yeah, and we split that thing, too. No, but cool. the ring still says champion. It doesn't say co-champ, so. Yeah, I should say champ. It definitely <laughs> says champ, hey, It's It's okay, because we got that big ring. For sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> we got nice, nice piece of hardware, fam. Nice piece. Uh, do, you, do, do you ever wear the Super Bowl ring? Do you ever pull it out? Nah, it's too. I think when I first got it, I wore it a couple times. But it hurts when people shake my hand, because it's so big, you know. And it's just like it's too big. It draws too much attention. It's, you know, it's like I'm, you know, more than you know, grateful to have it. You know what I'm saying? Tucked away in the safe. Oh, I hear you. I, I shoot. I, I even tried wearing it every day for a little bit. Uh, you know, I hadn't really worn it. It had been three, four years, and my wife's like, "Why don't you wear that?" She's like, "If I accomplished anything half as cool, like." You're going to know. So I tried. I tried it for about a week and I wore it every day. And you're right. It just draws way too much attention. Your hand doesn't even fit in your pocket. Like you can't even grab nope. your phone out of your pocket. Nope. So it's just, it's just not practical. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's like the right dinner to throw it on or, or right event, oh, sure. charity events. Uh, but sure. it's it's you just can't wear it every day. No, no, no. And please believe, you know, like we're part of the fraternity, right? So whether we're doing something, you know, wh whenever we decide to get involved, we can get involved, right? So whenever we want to get involved with something with the NFL, please believe I'm going to put it on, you know? Yeah. Like if I have to go to some type of suit and tie event for all of that, yeah, of course, you know? Yeah. But other than that, you know, other people are more excited about it than us, you know? For sure. So so the last question I have, and then I'll let Randy wrap it up because we've we've already taken too much of your time. Um, just real quick for the Sun Devil fans, uh, you know, what, what's your perspective? What are your thoughts on just the state of the program? You know, what Coach Edwards is, is doing currently and just, just where our Sun Devils sit in the Pac-12? Yeah, man. I mean, I like where we're at. I like where we're at. Obviously, you know, one thing we don't have under control is just, you know, the, uh, the COVID situation. But that's a, that's a you know, uh, domestic thing. Like the country doesn't doesn't have it under control, which is unfortunate. Um, so, but other than that though, like, I'm like, I'm really excited about like the talent we have. I'm really excited about the talent that we have. And um, it, it seems like the players are really excited to play for coach um, Herm Edwards, you know, 
And yeah, it I agree. Like he, it, 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 it seems like for the first time since Dennis was the head coach. It's exciting. We're, we're Yeah, and we're getting those elite players again in the recruiting yep. process. Like, we're, yep. we're, we're winning the recruiting battle right now. Yep, yep. Yeah, and that and that's important. And that I think that says a lot about the coach. No doubt. Know? Absolutely. You know, like great talent want to play for cool coaches. Yep. Period. Period. Like I want I want to play for a coach. Like, yeah, he's gonna coach me hard. He's gonna be on my ass sometimes, but he's gonna be cool, man. He's gonna yeah. understand who I am. He's gonna let me be the player I wanna be. Like I could be an individual within the team, you know? I don't have to be you this cookie cutter player that does the same thing, wears the same thing, you know, looks the same. What you know, like that's not cool. That's that that's it's, not that's not how you create a, a, a championship team. It's you what have to have personality. It's it's what Gary Kubiak said to us the year we won the Super Bowl. He goes, and he used to say it all the time in team meetings. Listen, I want to see your personality. Just don't let it hurt the team. That's all he would don't say. Don't let it hurt the team. Just yeah. don't let it hurt the team. Let it be yourself. That's that's when we're gonna be the best. When yeah. everyone can be themselves and like some players are loud, some players are quiet. It's great to have the mixture of both. Yeah. You know, as yeah. long as we're, as long as they're both leading with their play, let them do whatever the hell they want to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, Amen. Amen. The, and, and that's that's the coach we play for. You know. Well, Omar, I, I'm just gonna say for both of you guys. You know, I was at Super Bowl Fifty. I was working the game, and I, I definitely uh, I had a little smile on my face because I got to see two of my favorite guys win that ring and uh, it was definitely special for me to be able to be in the building and see you guys and, and your team and your careers you know get that crowning achievement so I just want to say yeah. thanks to to you Omar for joining us and for being such a great influence on people you know yes. even even when you were injured your, your your last year at ASU I remember you going to the children's hospital Las Vegas and you could have had the attitude of I can't believe I have to go do this appearance. You know, I'm not even playing, blah, blah, blah. No, you didn't do that. You had a smile on your face. You made that kid's day. And that's how you spent every day you were on campus with ASU. And I know that's how you spent every day with your life. And that's with a smile on your face and a positive attitude. So I just want to yeah, leave it's you. Not, it's, not, it's, not about, it's not about about anything else. You know, it's just about being the best person possible. That's it. Be, be the best person, person you can be, fam. Tell us. Uh, and everything. Tell us where they can find you on social media. Tell us where we can find X2 Workouts. And go ahead, plug, oh, yeah, plug yeah, everything. Yeah. Plug, yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at omar.bolden. You can find me on Twitter at omarbolden. You can find me on YouTube at uh, youtube.com uh, slash omarboldenofficial. Find me on TikTok at omar.bolden. Find me on Triller at omar.bolden. Um, and if you're looking for... Um, um, personal workouts um, or custom programs at home or at the gym, uh, whatever works for you. You can find that at x2workouts.com. Um, Subscription-based, you can cancel anytime. Um, but it's something that definitely the people should take advantage of. Um, health is wealth, you know, obviously more than ever, you know, we should all be focused on our health, you know, at this time right now during this pandemic. Um, so whether it's with me or anyone else, man, just make sure to keep your health first. But yeah, you can find me on all those platforms. Yeah, it was a pleasure speaking with you guys, man. I, I, I enjoy catching up. It's been some years since I've seen you, Randy, and then years since I've even spoken to you, Brock. So, man, it's just good to finally tap in with you guys. And, you know, y'all know we connected for life, you know? So. Amen. Listen, yeah, you, you, 
and and I think you know this, but you know, as a young guy coming into ASU and then getting all the years that I was fortunate enough to get with you, listen, you've always been an inspiration. You've been someone to to look up to, and and for all of our listeners out there, follow Omar on on social media. You know, let him be part of your life from a distance because I promise you, your life will be better if you let let him in. And like Randy said, see that smile once in a while. And he just brings great energy. So great seeing you, man. Uh, yeah, thanks thank so much you, for coming bro. on thank the you. show. And you know what? Pretty soon, I would assume we'll have a Super Bowl reunion back in Denver. So I, I hope that's soon. And, and let's connect in person. Oh, for sure. For sure, bro. Our thanks to Omar Bolden. Great to catch up with him. And, you know, Brock, for, for a guy like you who was his teammate in college, his teammate in the pros, it's got to be nice to, to catch up with an old friend. It absolutely is. Uh, Omar is someone that um, I've always had such great respect for and, and, you know, really looked up to. You know, he was an upperclassman when, when I arrived at ASU, and, and I've always just been so drawn um, to his positivity and his upbeat spirit and, and just how he – goes about his life and how he looks at things. And um, I, I think uh, a lot of people should look at Omar Bolden and, and um, you know, just uh, look at ways to, to better their lives because he's, he's a guy that just beams great energy, positivity, and um, I'm, I'm really grateful he came on the show with us today and it was uh, super special to catch up with him. He was one of the greatest players for me to work with. Um, when he was a student from, from the time he was a freshman and he was a very highly recruited freshman and he embraced that role and was a great team leader uh, for the five seasons that we had him in, in Tempe. So our thanks to Omar for joining the show. Well, Brock, it's hard to believe, but we might actually have Sun Devil football this weekend. They are scheduled to play UCLA at home Saturday night. And I, for one, am excited to see the Sun Devils back out on the field just because it'll be nice to see a game at Sun Devil Stadium again. The Devils are back, baby. Um, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Um, I'm sure like so many Sun Devil fans around Tempe and, and uh, you know, just the greater Phoenix area. But it's time. Uh, you know, I think we're all fiending for it. Um, obviously, uh, the football program's had a tough, tough three weeks uh, as far as dealing with the coronavirus. Um, but by the sounds of it, um, the university and football program now has a has a good hold on it. And um, they're ready to go play some football, and I'm excited about it. We talked about with Doug Haller last week. They have not played a game since November 7th. They, they have a very, very limited practice time. So from a former player standpoint, how hard is it going to be for the players to be motivated in what really is a lost season? Now, you were on a couple of teams at ASU that uh, you know, were supposed to be pretty good, and then it didn't work out the same way that we had hoped. And even if, if you talk about your sophomore season – we went six and six and we weren't eligible to go to a bowl game because we had two wins over FCS opponents. So how hard is it going to be for these guys to be motivated knowing they're really playing for nothing? And the other part of that question is, is as Doug Haller said last week, the coaching staff said they're going to look at younger guys. So how hard will it be for some of those older players, the upperclassmen who may not get the same opportunity that they were expecting? Yeah. You know, it's funny you say, uh, you know, how hard is it going to be for these guys to be motivated for the game? You know, I don't think it's going to be difficult, or at least I hope it's not going to be difficult because, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are going to go out there on national television on Saturday night and they're going to play. They're going to perform in front of millions of people across the country. And um, I hope that that's enough to get them motivated to put their best foot forward. Um, Saturday night in Sun Devil Stadium. You know, there's a 
there's an old adage, whether it's a win or a loss in the football world. And, and that's simply, hey, all of our signatures are on this one. You know, and, and that's going to be the case Saturday night. It doesn't matter that we're not playing for a Pac-12 championship or a chance to get into a bowl game. At the end of the day, you're going out there to play an official college football game in front of millions of people across the country. It doesn't matter what you're playing for. You're playing for your pride. You're playing for the last name on your jersey. You're playing for the name that's on the front of the jersey, Arizona State University. Um, so I really hope motivation isn't a factor, and I hope the guys go out there and play as hard as they possibly can and, uh, you know, go out there and get a win. In regards to, you know, what Doug Holler, you know, said last week um, about Coach Edwards making comments about younger guys seeing some more playing time and, and sitting some, some of the upperclassmen, you know, that's a head scratcher to me. And and I would love to sit in a room with Herm and and – just hear the full um, ideology behind that because once again, we're trying to win football games. And, and if I'm an upperclassman, I'm trying to go out there and perform at my abs absolute best, put out good tape um, to NFL teams that are watching these games. Um, so I'm, I'm a little confused by what, what does coach need to see with these younger players? You know, that's, that's what scrimmages are for in practice. That's what spring ball is for. At the end of the day, we're stepping into Sun Devil Stadium Saturday night and, and we're playing a football game against another Pac-12 school. So if, if we're treating this as, uh, hey, I want to see how my younger players perform and, you know, I'm going to sit some of my starters and let some of my backups play. Well, as a uh, alumni and, and former player, kind of bothers me a little bit because if we're going to put a football team on the field to play in another opponent, and on national TV, let's go out there to win the game and play as good as we possibly can. So a little bit of a head scratcher for me as far as those comments coming from Coach Edwards. If they come out and they lay an egg against UCLA, that's not going to be great moving forward for media coverage, for recruiting, particularly when you're playing in L.A. school. Couldn't agree more. And, and that's, that's what I'm saying. This is not the time to, to go out there and treat this like a spring ball scrimmage and see what we have in some of the, you know, younger guys on the roster. No, it's time to go out there and put your best 11 guys on the field and go out there and try to dominate and win a football game. Um, there, there's no time or room or, or anything like that to go out there and kind of just lightly dip your toe in the water and, and see what the temperature is. It's time to dive into that pool and go out there and play a damn good football game in Sun Devil Stadium and, and go get a win. There's some discipline issues this week as Jack Jones and Crossway definitely suspended for team violations um, that we heard it was not legal uh, related, but the fact still remains, those are two, particularly Jack Jones starting DB, one of the best DBs in the conference. How does Herm balance this? And is this something that could start to snowball? I mean, you've, you've been in those locker rooms before when you get two guys who are suspended indefinitely it's not a good sign and you don't want it. You got to put the hammer down as a coach saying, Hey, look, we're going to have discipline on this team, but at the same time, you can't have all your best players not playing. Right. I mean, is this going to be a, a sign of things to come these last couple of weeks? Yeah. You know, it sounds like we have a couple uh, energy vampires in, in the locker room. That's, that's a term uh, a, a lot of coaches, um, you know, use in the football world, you know, don't be an energy vampire. Don't suck the energy 
um, the positive energy out of the locker room. And that's what you have here with these two players. Like you said, you're, you're really kind of teetering on, on a fine line right now, because if you get too much of, of, you know, certain negative things occurring during already a very adverse situation and, and tough football season with what we're dealing with in 2020, if you get more of this, boy, it can be a, it, it can be a virus, you know, no, no pun intended, but it can spread quick. And, and it can be really damaging to your football program. You know, I, I saw um, a little bit of that uh, play out in 2011, my last year at ASU. And so, you know, it's, it's disappointing. Um, it, it's great to see that Coach Edwards, whatever the team, team rules violation was that these players violated, it's great to see that Coach Edwards is, is stepping up and setting a precedent. But I would also say that I want to know more. You know, as a fan, as an alumni, as a former Sun Devil football player, I want to know more. I, I want to know what the team violation was and, and, you know, why are they suspended indefinitely? You know, you're talking about a player who's considering leaving and, and heading to, to the NFL draft. Maybe he just needs to be cut loose. And, and, but we don't know if that would be an appropriate response because we don't actually know the team rules that they broke. And, and on that note, you know, so many college football players now are saying that they want to be paid and, and treated like professional athletes. Well, with that, I think comes a little higher responsibility. And, and you know, maybe we should know what the team rules violation was that they broke. Because without really knowing, you, you, you don't know what the appropriate response is. But, but regardless, um, I, I just think it's great that Coach Edwards is really trying to get a hold on this and, and really... Once again, no pun intended, but quarantine the virus before it spreads throughout the locker room. So by suspending these two indefinitely, um, I, I think that was a good move by Coach Edwards. And he's really just trying to put up a wall um, from these guys and the rest of the team so that he can focus on winning these last couple games and, and putting his best product on the field. If they didn't do something legal related, then just tell us, hey, they were late for curfew. They missed a meeting, whatever it was. To your point, if they want to be treated like professional athletes and they want to be paid, which I personally think college athletes should, college football players in particular, should be paid, then we need to treat them, treat them like adults. They are adults. Let's treat them like adults. Hey, you you missed a meeting, you are suspended. You did X, Y, Z. Now, if it's a legal matter and they can't discuss it, that's a separate issue. But then you can say it's a legal matter. We cannot discuss it. But I'm a big proponent of transparency, and I think when you're not transparent and you don't say what they did, that's where rumors get started, and that. That's not good for anybody. It, it would be great to have a little more transparency um, and to know what they did. But at the end of the day, I respect uh, Coach Coach Edwards and and uh, Ray Anderson and and you know the program that they are running. So you know whatever they think is best for the team, uh, have to respect it and uh, understand it. Let's talk really quick about the actual game before we get into some of the other Pac-12 stuff. UCLA's played now a couple of weeks in a row. ASU hasn't played in basically a month. How hard is it going to be for ASU to come out crisp and execute properly in that first quarter when they're playing an opponent who has had way more reps than they have over the last four weeks? Yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle, but uh, that doesn't mean uh, that the Sun Devils can't go out there and still perform well and win a football game. Um, you know, I think you're really going to have to rely on your fundamentals. You're going to have to rely on your base packages. Um, and just go out there and execute and, and play football. You know, at the end of the day, 
Uh, football is about running, blocking, tackling, assignment football, and, and the fundamentals. And so go out there and focus on that. And, and if we can do that, you know, I expect a good game. It, it's difficult to really gauge how far behind we're going to be behind the Bruins headed into this football game because there hasn't been a ton of, once again, transparency on, okay, how many walkthroughs were being taken place during the last three weeks? How many Zoom meetings took place the last three weeks? Um, what did the practices look like, you know, this week heading into the UCLA game? So without having all of that information, it's really hard for me to say, you know, well, hey, we are going to be rusty or we're not going to be rusty. I would just say this, rely on the fundamentals, rely on your base packages, go out there, play hard. At the end of the day, we have a lot of talent on our roster. We have a great coaching staff. And so by no means do I expect UCLA, even though they have been playing football the past couple of weeks, to just roll into Sun Devil Stadium and dominate. Um, I still expect a very competitive game and a good game out of the Sun Devils. Let's talk about the Pac-12 now overall. They had very slim playoff hopes when the season started for them, uh, when, when, the, when the Pac-12 season started. They were behind the eight ball. They weren't going to play. Then they changed their mind. But we have this testing. It's a game changer. Those chances are now gone, basically, with Oregon having lost. USC and Washington way down in the CFP rankings. Would you consider this season a complete disaster scenario for the conference based on how everything has played out? Well, it's not. It's not great. <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's nothing perfect about this, but disaster is a really harsh word, and these student athletes went to school to play football. You know, let's, let's be serious. They, they, they went to school to play football, try to get to the national football league. And, and the bonus is obviously getting their college education and, and their degree, uh, which is um, extremely important in uh, my opinion. So I don't want to call it a disaster because these guys went to school to play ball. And at the end of the day, they are playing ball. Some of them are going to get three to four games, some of them might get six to seven. You know, it's it's been a patchwork season. There's been cancellations. There's been rescheduling. There's been three weeks of quarantine for some of these teams. So uh, once again, it hasn't been pretty, but I'm just I'm grateful that these athletes are still getting the opportunity, even though it's a condensed schedule to go out there and play some football, play on national television continue to build upon their skill sets and uh, just show the world what, what they're out there and what they're capable of doing. I just think, you know, for the way the conference handled the, we're not playing. Okay. We are going to play, but we have this testing and that's going to change anything. Meanwhile, no other conferences had the kind of cancellation issues that the PAC 12 had. And when you add in the fact that they had such a condensed schedule, they built themselves no margin for error. That, to me, that's on leadership and it starts at the top and, I really think it's time. I know his contract's coming up, but I think it's time Larry Scott moves along and, and let's get the Pac-12 back to where it used to be with proper leadership. 100%. I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with anything you just said there. In fact, I wholeheartedly agree on everything you just said there. But as far as the season being a complete disaster, I just don't want to go that far. It's, it's by no means ideal. It is. It's, it's frustrating when you look at the Pac-12 and you're like, okay, well, we started the season two months late. We're still having issues. You're barely even getting, you know, three to four games played. It doesn't look good. And you're right. There, there, it, it certainly could have been handled um, many different ways that probably would have brought about better outcomes. But at the end of the day, this is, um, 
you know, this is a landscape that no one's wandered through before. And, and I think everyone's trying to do their best. But when you talk about Larry Scott, you talk about the referees um, and other things. Yes, uh, I, I think there's there's certainly a ton of room for improvement and, and certainly change is probably necessary. Let's talk about that referee issue right now. This is the end of the Oregon-Oregon State game. Once again, officiating issues on a nationally televised game. Twitter was going crazy with all the national writers basically saying, how is it possible that this is happening every single week in this conference? You don't see it in any other conference. For those who didn't see it, Oregon State had four shots at the end zone, um, first and goal at about the two-yard line. And I can't remember if it was first down or second down, but the starting quarterback for Oregon State kept it on a keeper and to everybody I thought was very clearly in the end zone. Unless he was carrying the ball down around his knees, the ball crossed the plane. They reviewed it. The referee looked kind of put out that he had to deal with it. They didn't call it a touchdown. Kid gets hurt on the next play, and it looks like to be a pretty severe injury. The backup quarterback comes in. His first ever snap as a Beaver, he ends up taking it in for the touchdown on fourth down. Beavers win, upset the Ducks. The quarterback for Oregon State never should have gotten to the point where he had to be carried off the field with his left leg being cradled because he was clearly in the end zone two or three plays earlier, and the referees just flat blew it. And that doesn't even bring up on the next down, the Oregon player was essentially in the Oregon State backfield before the snap, no flag. How is it possible that on that kind of this a game of this significance, because it was significant for Oregon to stay undefeated, it was a rivalry game, how can they miss this many calls? And it happens every week. They miss calls for Oregon State at Washington. Every single week, we're always hearing about Pac-12 officials did this. And this goes back 10 years. This is not a new thing this year. So I ask you, as a former player and just from an observer of Pac-12 football, why can't this conference stop shooting itself in the foot on a national scale? Well, I have a couple ideas for that. But first, I want to just say, in regards to that Oregon-Oregon State game, I was watching it live. And as that series unfolded down by the goal line that, that you just spoke about, I literally could not believe what I was seeing. It was so bad that I didn't even have words to really kind of explain the moment. Uh, and, and, and I was sitting there, and, and it's funny because you and I talk about this almost weekly, right? The, the Pac-12 and the officiating crews and just how, how poor it is. And so the fact that it happened once again, another week, uh, I just, my, my jaw was on the floor. And, and at what point are we going to have a weekend of Pac-12 football where something like this does not happen? Uh, unfortunately, until Larry Scott and, and some of the other higher-ups at the Pac-12 um, are gone, I don't know. Uh, we might just continue to see it. Um, but but there's, there's some points I'd like to bring up with that. You know, it, it's super disheartening when you see, like you said, the quarterback for Oregon State clearly from his waist to his head, clear as day, is across the goal line. And the line judge doesn't do a damn thing. She runs in. She doesn't stick her hand up saying, hey, you know, the runner's short. She doesn't stick two arms up saying it's a touchdown. She does nothing. She ran into that huddle and stood there and did nothing. It was, the, it was the most bizarre thing I'd ever seen. It was like she had only previous experience, uh, you know, officiating Pop Warner games 
And all of a sudden, she's in a, a, a big-time game and a big-time moment. There's not even fans in the stands, mind you, that, that would add extra anxieties and things to the moment. And she freezes. She absolutely froze. And I'm just sitting there watching this on TV, and, and you're watching this debacle unfold, and the clock's continuing to run, and, and the, the head official has no idea what to do, and, and the line judge, she's just kind of sitting there. She's not doing anything. And, and I'm watching this moment unfold, and it's so disheartening. And then you come back the very next play, and you see it, the Oregon defensive tackle, like you said. Half of his body is through the line of scrimmage before the ball is snapped, and not a single ref on the field throws a flag. You know, he, here's, my, here's my problem with all, all of this. And, and this is just one of a, a dozen, and, and I'm going to get into the majority of them, but when you're talking Oregon Ducks and Oregon State Beavers, you are talking about big business. You're talking about coaches that make millions of dollars. You're talking about, you know, players that, you know, depending on outcomes of games, like that's that's going to affect draft status and things like that. When when certain teams lose certain games, sometimes coaches get fired. And it's and and that's the thing that that people forget it's not just a coach getting fired you know we all see it roll across the bottom line on sports center you know x coach just got fired from from y school and we all just move on with our daily lives well what people don't think about that coach just lost his income he now needs to potentially move his family who has kids and those kids have friends in school and and they're used to a community. And my point is there is major ramifications for when these officials mess up calls in these games. And so to see officials just kind of sit on their hands and, and just week in and week out, you know, make very big and just obvious glaring mistakes, you know, it's really disheartening. Um, and and so, so I dove into it a little bit. And, and I learned a couple of things. I learned that the Pac-12 is the only conference, the only Power Five conference, excuse me, um, that does not have a pipeline contract, if you will, to bring up quality refs into the Pac-12 conference. So what I mean by that, for example, the Big 12, they have a pipeline contract with the Mountain West Conference. So the best officials from the Mountain West Conference they're observed, they're seen, and then they get recruited to go up to the Big 12 Conference. And then obviously their goal from there would be to continue to have a great track record and then get into the National Football League. Well, the Pac-12 doesn't have that pipeline. We don't. Why? Why are we the only Power Five that doesn't have that? The other thing, there, there was a report, and it's, it's called the Sibson Report. And it, it was done about a year ago. And it was it was done to have a third party come in and observe Pac-12 officiating and to see what some of these issues are. And some of the things that came about it, it, it says that a lot of the supervisors that are there on game day for, for the Pac-12, they lack recent field experience, meaning some of the people that are in charge of supervising these games They've been out of officiating for over 10 years. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's it's kind of a glaring issue because how can you be a supervisor over current officials if you've kind of lost touch with the modern game? I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying you can't do it. 
but it's a little bit of a head scratcher there. A, a couple other things that that uh, you know the Pac-12 has done to try to clean up the the officiating. They brought in Merton Hanks. Merton Hanks was uh, you know a long time great NFL player. He played nine years in the NFL. Then he went on to to work for thirteen years at the NFL league office, um, and then he popped into the Conference USA for a little bit, and now. Merton Hanks, um, as of this year, is in charge of all of Pac-12 officials. And right below Merton Hanks is the vice president for officiating, David Coleman. And David, there have been emails sent. If you go back, I believe it happened on August 11th. Certain officials emailed Larry Scott at the Pac-12 office and all of the athletic directors in the Pac-12. And one of the things that these officials were calling for was that uh, David Coleman be relieved of his duties, saying that there was major issues at the top. Um, some of these officials are saying that they don't get enough um, feedback, criticism, education on their games and, and how to improve. You know, and it's not just football. You know, Larry Christoviak, uh, the, the basketball coach for Utah, he publicly came out and criticized the Pac-12 officiating for basketball. And so it's really, it's, when, when you look at it, it seems like it is a full conference issue across all sports. And until the Pac-12 starts recruiting better officials, which maybe that's a pipeline system, until they start training them better, giving them you know, good feedback, uh, game in and game out, so that they can continue to get better and grow, and then until we truly retain the best officials, because our best officials are going on to other conferences, they're going on to the National Football League, and they're not staying within the Pac-12, I think you're just going to continue to see the same stuff. So without question, um, at the top of the Pac-12, Larry Scott, David Coleman, vice president for officiating, um, it's probably definitely time to, to look at some, some serious change and to figure out a way to make this better, because... At the end of the day, the Oregon-Oregon State game, what happened at the end of that football game cannot happen ever again. Oregon State loses their starting quarterback. Never should have. He scored a touchdown the previous play. He should have never been on the field. He should have been on the sidelines celebrating with his teammates. Now, who knows if he can play this week or in the future or who not? Like that injury never should have occurred among a million other things. But there's just there, there's too big of ramifications when these teams lose because of a poor obvious call by the officials um and and there's just it's it's time for change at the top you know i stand corrected um when we started this podcast and and at the beginning of the football season and and you know you asked me about pac-12 officiating and and did it ever creep into my mind as a player and do i think it's an issue and you know i kind of made some comments about Listen, as a player, you can never let the game come down to one call. You can never let it come down to officiating. That is certainly true. But now after watching multiple weeks in a row, Pac-12 officials just totally fumble certain situations, glaring calls, just miss them. It's bad. It's ugly. And, and something needs to change real quick. All right. It's time for some hot reads. I'm going to say something about an issue going on in college football this week. And I want your quick opinion on it. Let's do it. All right. What will the Big Ten, and in conjunction with that, the CFP do if Ohio State doesn't have enough games to qualify for the Big Ten championship game? They have to play two more to qualify. What do they do if that doesn't happen? 
easy. They say, hey, next time, do a better job of keeping your players away from the virus. Do a better job of containing it. And you didn't meet the minimum threshold. And there's quality teams behind you. And they're going to be in the college football playoff. And you're not. It'd be super disappointing as a fan. You know, I want to see Ohio State get to the, that threshold of six games so they can qualify for the Big Ten championship in the college football playoff because I certainly think they're a top four team in the country. I want to watch Justin Fields play. Uh, but at the end of the day, if they don't meet the threshold, um, listen, other schools should be rewarded. They did a great job of other schools, you know, containing the virus and, and doing proper protocols and players staying disciplined and making great choices off the field. And so just because Ohio State's, you know, extremely talented and we all know that uh, how good they are and that they can compete for a national championship, if they don't meet the minimum, then, hey, boo-hoo, do better next time. Will Michigan pull the ultimate troll job on their rival Ohio State and say because of virus issues we can't play, thus knocking Ohio State out of the Big, 12, uh, Big Ten championship game and maybe the CFP? <laughs> that would be a dirty move. I, I don't see that happening. You know, I just – you're right. It could be the ultimate troll move. But also think about it on the flip side. Michigan wants to play this football game because if they can put their absolute best football game together for 60 minutes and go out there and somehow knock off Ohio State, everything that took place with Michigan football this year that was negative and, and ugly and all the losses, all of that gets wiped away. And only Michigan fans, the only thing they're going to think about is that big win over Ohio State. Notre Dame and Alabama rolled again this weekend. Trevor Lawrence is back, and Clemson looks scary. Who is the best of those three teams? Oh, goodness. Uh, you know, don't make me pick that, Randy. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll know when we get to the college football playoff. Listen, they're all playing damn good football. When, when you look at Notre Dame, you know, they have everything to lose. And, and they go out against North Carolina, who was ranked number 17 last week. And, and they go out and they play a damn good game on the road. You know, they win 31 to 17 and then, you know, flip it over to Clemson. Like you said, they, they went out there and from the first play of the game, they didn't look back. You know, they, they, they made a statement uh, against uh, Pitt and uh, Trevor Lawrence is back playing damn good football. And then when you look at Bama, you know, they were in the Iron Bowl, you know, the biggest game of the year for them against Auburn. Um, and they go out there and they make a damn big statement by winning 42 to 13. They dominated the entire game. Um, it wasn't even close for a second. And so I think really Notre Dame, Clemson, and Bama all made big statements over the weekend. If Ohio State isn't in, who's your fourth team? Here's the deal. You're, you're really talking A&M or Florida at this point. You know, Cincinnati's right on their heels. But A&M beat Florida head-to-head, -head, beat them straight up. And so that's really hard to ignore. However, since that loss... Florida has played outstanding football. They're kicking ass every week. If Florida wins out, goes to the SEC championship, knocks off Bama, that's when it's going to be really, really difficult to not put Florida as that fourth team. And, and here's why. Yes, A&M beat Florida head-to-head. -head, but since that loss, like you said, Florida's played great football. And then if Florida goes and beats Alabama in the biggest game of the season in the SEC championship game, 
who Alabama beat A&M earlier in the year, at that point, I tip it to Florida. But if Florida wins out, A&M wins out, and then Florida loses again to Alabama in the SEC championship, I give A&M that fourth slot. Is Tom Herman on the hot seat at Texas? I don't know how he isn't. Tom Herman was brought into Austin to get the Longhorns back to a national championship. And they're not even sniffing one right now. They're not even sniffing getting to the college football playoff. And so, you know, he's had time. Um, he's had, you know, plenty of time there to, to really get things rolling. You know, I hate to see it because I think he's I think he's a damn good football coach. I think he's a good person. But the expectations uh, at, at UT are not to be a, a good football coach and a good person. They're to get you to the national championship. And so um, at the end of the day, uh, Texas has the firepower in, um, you know, boosters, alumni, things like that to to write checks and, and you know, fire coaches and, 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 you know, do buyouts. So he's certainly on the hot seat. Um, I don't know if it happens, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me if uh, he does get canned in the coming weeks. All right, let's move now to Brock Breaks It Down. This is the segment where Brock's going to break down for us something that only people inside the locker room would know. So, Brock, tell us how do college teams prepare for an opponent? Usually you would have, you play Saturday, you watch film Sunday, and then you play again Saturday. So you got a full week to prepare. Take us real quickly through how that process goes. And now I want you to pivot and try and imagine doing it in two days. You find out Thursday you're playing Utah when you thought on Sunday you were playing Washington or something like that. So from a quarterback perspective, tell us how you prep for a game and how the entire team would prep for a game and how you can condense that down in maybe a 48-hour window. Yeah, uh, certainly a challenge, but definitely doable. Um, like you said, okay, so you play the game Saturday. You go into the facility Sunday. You, you get a workout in. And then you watch the previous day's game with your coaches and your teammates and break that down and learn from it. When that's done, you go into, you know, prepping right away for that next week's opponent. So Sunday night, I'm already watching film on whoever I'm going to play Saturday. I'm watching film all day Monday, right? And I'm getting a really good feel for this opponent. And then when I head into practice for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you know, you're prepping for for that week's opponent, you're, you're talking about their blitz packages. You're talking about the coverages that they play. You're talking about first and second down stuff, coverages, fronts. Um, you're talking about third down stuff. Okay, what does this team do on third and two to four? What do they do on third and five to seven or eight? And then what do they do in third and long? Um, same thing for the red zone. You break it down by quadrants. You look at what they do from basically the five-yard line to the goal line. And then five-yard line to call it the 12-yard line. And then you're looking 13-yard line to roughly the 20-yard line. So, you know, you're getting a really good feel as this week progresses on the opponent. And you're getting really familiar with them. And you're getting familiar with specific players. You know, one of the things I would always look for right away early in the week is if all things were equal in the coverage, you know, meaning – Let's just say they're playing a man-to-man -man coverage and the deep safety is dead in the middle of the field and the field looks absolutely even to me. What defensive back do I want to pick on? You know, I'd call him my pick-on guy. You know, which, which defensive back looks to be like maybe their worst player and who do we want to attack? So 
you're really getting super familiar with these teams. And then on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're running plays that were specifically designed by the coaching staff just for that game. So you're getting, you know, two, three reps of these plays throughout the week, and then you're going to run them on Saturday and then maybe never run those plays again because those plays were designed specifically for your opponent that week. Now, that's where the shakeup and change comes during COVID. If I'm a coach, when you go to training camp, you you install your base offense, your offense that you're going to hang your hat on. Hey, these are the 10 runs that we do no matter what. These are the 10 pass plays that we do no matter what. And those staples, if you will, um, stay with you throughout the season. And you have those staples on your call sheet. You go to them weekly. But then on top of those staples, you add your game plan plays, like I was just talking about, um, for team specifics that, that you're playing. So now with COVID, what I would do to keep things simple on my players and to not have them get paralyzed by too much information coming in, coming out, you know, hey, we're prepping for Utah. Wait, Audible, all of a sudden now we're prepping for Cal because Utah had to cancel because of coronavirus. The way I would keep things simple on my players is I would just run my base offense all year long. I wouldn't even get into game planning stuff because when you build your staple section, your base offense, you have plays that beat cover one, cover two, cover three, cover four, and so on. You know, most teams play covers one through eight. And so you have base plays that your players and your quarterback specifically, they know how to attack all of those coverages with these base plays and base runs. And so as a coach, when you're moving through 2020 in the, in the coronavirus season, you know, rather than focusing so much on game planning, I would just focus on perfecting my base packages and then tell my players, yes, if you want to watch film on the opponent that we think we're going to play on Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, by all means do. But watch it more or less just to kind of get an overview on, on who we're playing and focus more on our core stuff rather than the opponent. Focus on us, what we do, our staple section, our fundamentals, and then regardless of what opponent we're playing or what they do, what coverages they play, what blitzes they have, we will know the rules to our basic package and we'll be able to go out and play against anybody at any time on a moment's notice. That was Brock breaks it down, telling us how a team prepares for an opponent and how you can do it in a condensed version. All right, let's do some weekly picks. Last week, the cream rose to the top. I went eight and three. Brock, you went five and six. So I have now taken a two-game lead in the overall standings. I'm at 26 and 14. You're at 24 and 16. I stuck with picking against Michigan, and it paid off for me as they lost to Penn State. Yes, it did. You know, I was watching these games last week and I was just shaking my head at my picks. I, I had a terrible week and uh, it's time to redeem myself. All right. Let's start off with your Texas A&M Aggies, number five at Jordan-Hare Stadium in Auburn. Normally you would say, OK, Jordan-Hare Stadium, super tough environment to play in. Uh, you know, Gus Malzahn, great coach for Auburn, um, tough to beat at home. But once again, it's a different year, and, and there's very limited fans in the stands, so the home field advantage I don't think is really there. Uh, Texas A&M is playing for everything. 
they're they're on the cusp of of possibly getting a college football playoff uh, spot, um, and and they're really trying to take that next step with Jimbo Fisher. I expect A uh, and M's best game, and uh, I'm going to go with the Aggies. I'm going to go with the Aggies as well because we keep waiting for Bo Nix to take that next step. Take that next step. If he hasn't done it by now, I don't know that he's going to. So I'm going to go with you. I'm going to take the Aggies. Texas at Kansas State. Is Tom Herman playing for his job? And can the Longhorns go on the road to the Little Apple in Manhattan and win a game that by all means they should? But that has been the problem for Texas is winning games that they should. Tom is certainly coaching for his job. You know, this is this is probably a must win for him. Like I said, you know, the Texas boosters and, and alumni, they have the firepower to replace a coach, pay for the buyout, and and move on. Um, so this is a this is a game that uh, UT fans definitely want to see in the win column. But going up to uh, uh, the Little Apple, it's it's not an easy place to play. Uh, Kansas State plays great at home. They love uh, you know creating the big upset. We've seen that in the past. So um, I'm I'm going to roll with Kansas State on this one. I have been to Manhattan, Kansas. If I never go back, it'll be too soon. And so just for that fact alone, I'm going to take Sam Ellinger and the, and the Longhorns. Number 19, Oklahoma State at TCU. The Cowboys still trying to get into that Big 12 championship game. Uh, who do you like on the road, the Cowboys or the, or the Horned Frogs at home? Oklahoma State, uh, they have a lot to play for. TCU's you know, kind of playing for pride at this point. So I'm, I'm going to go with uh, the Pokes on this one, Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think Oklahoma State's got the best the best team of those two, and we'll see if Chuba Hubbard's back this week because he's a difference maker. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. The college game day, game of the week, number 25 Liberty at number 14 Coastal Carolina. I'm excited to watch this game. I love the Chanticleers. Uh, Hugh Freeze has done a great job at Liberty. I'm sure he's probably cheating like he did at Mississippi, but uh, <laughs> number 25 Liberty at Coastal Carolina, who's number 14. Yeah, this is great. You know, it's great for both programs. It's great for college football. Um, it, it's it's just so awesome to see both these schools in the top 25. Uh, this week, I'm rolling with Coastal Carolina. All right, I'm going to go with the Liberty Flames. I don't know why. I, I just feel like Hugh Freeze and their quarterback is going to get it done on the road for the big upset and keep their uh, their great season going. Number six, Florida at Tennessee. Florida's got to keep winning to, to keep their playoff hopes alive. Not even a ball game. Florida's going to go in there. They're playing for everything. You know, Tennessee's not playing for a whole lot. Um, I get it. It's still an SEC matchup, but but Florida's special this year. So I'm taking the Gators all the way. Yeah, I'm with you, Kyle Trask. Uh, trying to make that final Heisman push. Gators win big. Number 10, Indiana, without their quarterback, who's out for the year, at number 19, Wisconsin. Listen, I'm still a little confused on who the Badgers are this year. You know, I'm trying to see what their identity is. You know, we know who Indiana is, but they did just lose their starting quarterback. So just because this one, I, I see it a couple different ways. I'm going to lean on the home team. I know, once again, there's no fans or limited fans, but uh, I'm going to take the Badgers at home. Yeah, I think the loss of Michael Penix is just too big for Indiana to overcome, especially having to go on the road to Madison. So I'll go with Wisconsin as well. West Virginia at number 12, Iowa State. Iowa State has virtually assured themselves a spot in the Big 12 title game. Matt Campbell's name is popping up for jobs all over the country to move on to bigger and better things than Ames, Iowa. Does he get it done at home or does West Virginia pull the upset? He absolutely gets it done at home. Uh, you know, Matt Campbell, what he's done with that Iowa State program is just, 
it's so special and it's so great to see he's he's a tremendous man uh, a great leader um, when you go and you look at who Matt Campbell is and you look at his history um, I'm a fan and uh, I'm taking the Cyclones yeah I'm with you I'm not betting against quarterbacks named Brock I, I learned that the hard way the other day so sticking with that Stanford at number 23 Washington kind of a strange thing for Stanford the Santa Clara County said they can't practice they can't play so they're nomads now for the next couple of weeks so they're going up to the northwest to practice and then they're going to play out Washington and stay on the road basically for the rest of the year for practice and games Huskies huge come from behind win last week against Utah at home where do you see this one going Listen, Stanford, you know, they're riding the momentum wave. You know, they, they won their rivalry game last week on a, on a big blocked extra point late in the game. So, so there's a lot of good energy there. But then some of that energy, I would imagine, got taken away when they found out that they're going to go live on the road for a couple of weeks due to COVID. Um, ultimately, I think Washington has a very talented roster. Uh, they had a quality win last week. Utah is a very well-coached team. So I'm going to take the home team and, and roll with the Huskies. I'm going with the dogs as well. They showed me something last week. They could have packed, packed it in going down the way they did, but they came back, won that game, and they represent the Pac-12's last best hope, I think, uh, for the playoff, even though there's really no hope uh, in, that, in that anyways. Number 21, Oregon at Cal. How did the Ducks respond after losing the Civil War to the Beavers? They roll, and they roll big. They're just – they're so talented. Listen, I know Cal came into the season with a lot of promise and hype around them with their quarterback back and things like that, but Oregon's obviously extremely talented. They're a well-coached team, taking the Ducks all the way. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Ducks win, respond against the Beavers, and, and try and salvage what's left of their season. Colorado at Arizona. Colorado, a surprise undefeated team, and Arizona struggling. Is their quarterback going to play? Buffalo's at Wildcats. Yeah, Colorado's a lot of fun right now to watch. Um, I think it's a great storyline for the Pac-12. They have a quarterback that, you know, he's played defense, you know, in his career at, at Colorado. Arizona, they're, they're a mess, not a ton of talent, and, and they just haven't shown much thus far. So I'm, I'm taking the Buffaloes on this one. I'm with the Buffs as well. Number three, Clemson at Virginia Tech. I don't know if it's going to be will Clemson win, but by how much Clemson wins, they uh, sew up a spot in the ACC title game against Notre Dame. Hey, shout out to Ben Hilgart, head strength coach at Virginia Tech. He was my strength coach when I was a Sun Devil. I love that man. Uh, one day we will be in Montana at the same time and drinking beers together. But until that day happens, Clemson's going to go in there and get a big win and, and finish out this season. Clemson's scary. They roll Virginia Tech and, and set up a big game against Notre Dame in the ACC title game. Number one, Alabama at LSU. They're, they're making it up from when it got canceled a couple weeks ago. Can the Crimson Tide keep on rolling against a rival in Baton Rouge? Absolutely they can, and they will. Uh, Bama's going to win this one, and they're going to win it big. LSU, uh, to, to your point about Arizona, LSU's a mess. Ed Orgeron has a big task there in front of him. And, uh, yeah, roll tide. Oregon State at Utah. Utah with a crushing loss last week at Washington. Oregon State with a huge upset victory over the Ducks. I'm taking the Beavers. And, and if you would have asked me this question before the season kicked off and, and you made me pick this game early, uh, no way would I bet against Coach Whittingham and, and, and the Utes uh, at home. But, hey, Beavers have a – they got a huge win at home last week against Oregon. That momentum is real, especially in college football. They're going to be riding high, and, and I'm going to roll with them. And Until they prove different, I'm going to take the Beavers. 
I'm going to go with Utah at home. Um, they looked good in that first quarter or in the first half against the Huskies. Quarterback uh, got some experience. He's tra- the Bentley, the transfer from South Carolina. I think, I think Utah takes care of the Beavers. Beavers have a little bit of a hangover from their big win. Washington State at number 17, USC. Is this the week that USC's luck runs out? But once again, they're playing a team who didn't play the previous week. The Clay Helton luck train continues to roll on. Ah, this is so tough. Uh, Yeah, on paper, you would say USC all day. But listen, paper doesn't win football games. And um, you know what? I'm going to take the underdog on this one. You know, I've always kind of been a silent Cougar fan growing up in the Northwest. Um, New coach, new quarterback. They're out to prove some stuff. I'm going to take the Cougs. If the Cougars had played last week, I would agree with you. But since they didn't, and USC once again gets a team that hasn't played in a few weeks, I'm going to go with the Trojans. And finally, the UCLA Bruins at the Arizona State Sun Devils, Saturday night, 8.30 local time kickoff. I put my money on Herm Edwards. You know, a lot of people are wondering how our team's going to respond from a three-week um, hiatus and, and things like that, you know, with, with the quarantine that they had to go into. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm a believer in Herm. I stand by Herm, and, and I'm taking the Devils. As much as I want to agree with you, I think that layoff is really going to hurt him. I think the two guys getting suspended, particularly Jack Jones, if he's not playing, I think that's going to hurt him. I think UCLA's got a little bit of confidence, and I, I'm going to go with the Bruins strictly because they have played in the month of they played in the month of November that didn't involve the first week, and ASU has not. So those are our picks. We'll see how we do. Uh, like I said, I have a two-game lead in, in the overall standings after my eight and three week, but uh, we'll see how we do next week. And we picked a few extra games because every week we pick games, a few of them seem to drop out. So hopefully we'll get all of these ones in and we can have all those picks count. Another good show, Brock. Uh, our thanks to Omar Bolden. Man, he was great. It was great to catch up with Omar, one of my favorites, and I know one of your favorite teammates. Yeah, certainly without question, one of my all-time favorites. Um, So good to see his face and hear his voice. Um, Grateful that he took the time to come on the show. I think we all heard it. The man's busy. He's got a lot of different things going on right now. So uh, for him to take that time for us means a lot. Um, Always fun chatting ball with you. And um, I'm already excited to watch these games on Saturday. For Brock Osweiler, I'm Randy Policar. This is the Brock and Roll Show. Join the conversation on Twitter at Brock and Roll Show. Or email us at the Brock and Roll Show at gmail.com. The Brock and Roll Show is a Polytruck Media Production.